Thanks, Andrew. We're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 53, but before we read, I'm just going to pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you for your word, that it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thank you for this amazing prophecy that was written, shines a light on your son, Jesus, and his sacrifice for us. Mm. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be um, soft and open to your message that you're going to bring us today through Andrew. And Lord, I just pray that you would um, cover him with your grace and peace and give him yeah, the message that you want us to hear. Okay, Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked. Oh, sorry, actually. Oh, no. I thought I was meant to stop, but I'm not. Sorry. Um, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death seat in his mouth. Yet... It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Thanks, Phil. As Phil prayed, it's a, um, a great prophecy pointing towards um, Jesus' death and the, the prophet Isaiah is um, you know, being quite detailed there in some of the stuff that uh, was to go on. Um, and I often wonder what it might have been like to, um, to be a prophet in those days and, and, and utter some of those things and, and wonder, is this making sense? and not being able to imagine the context of what that might look like, but still being confident of God's word. 
So we've been looking at the, you know, the Apostles' Creed lately uh, for the past few weeks and um, talking about, you know, I believe. What, what do I believe? Um, what is it that we believe and what is it that we... And um, we are recognising and learning and seeing and learning maybe again and maybe for the first time that it's a really concise summary of the gospel, the good news, the, the message of hope and the message of salvation. Who God is. Uh, who Jesus is, what he came to do, how he came, what he came to do and, and what it achieved for us. And it's, we're seeing and we're finding, at least I am and, and I'm trusting that we are, that it's, it's good for us to review that um, and, and maybe it's good to discover it for the first time. Maybe you never grew up looking at the Apostles' Creed and you weren't even sure what it was but it's really good for us to, to read it and to see it and to see uh, how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is and how much it talks to us um, about the gospel of salvation. Now today, uh, appropriately, we come to the line in the uh, Apostles' Creed, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. Now I probably planned it a little bit, but I hadn't planned it that tight. But it's beautiful that that's where we're landing today. It's Good Friday. This is the day we stop and we consider that we, we really consider what Jesus went through for us, for you and, and for me. And in the Apostles' Creed, we're confessing that, that we believe that. We believe that he suffered under Pontius Pilate. We believe that he was crucified, that, that he died and he was buried and, and that he descended to the dead. Now, some people have, in my reading, and, and you might have wondered yourself, some people have kind of noted or, or mentioned how is it, it's funny that the Apostles' Creed jumps from Jesus' birth, we talked about that two weeks ago, and straight to his death. Anyone ever wonder that? Why, that, why it does that? The message is just jump, it goes straight from Jesus' birth, talks about him being burned, and goes straight to his death. You know, is, is all that Jesus did in between, is that not good? But if you think, if you remember that the Apostles' Creed is a concise summary of the gospel, the good news of salvation. So it's completely in line with the Bible. The Apostles' Creed is completely aligned with the Bible in that. You see, in the Old Testament, when Jesus' life was pointed to, and, and, and we read that in Isaiah 53, it was always about his mission. It was always about his suffering and his death for us. Now, our reading today is a case in point. When the prophets uh, talk to him, and in, in Psalm 22, when David, when you think, hey, wait, is David talking about himself? No, he's not. He's, he's pointing to the suffering of Jesus. And when the Old Testament points forward to Jesus, it always points forward to his mission, what he came for, what, who he would be for us. So then was his life important? Well, yeah, it was, and we, we learn so much from, from Jesus' words, from his conversations, from his teachings, from his, his actions, from you know, the Sermon on the Mount. There's so many things. His life was important. But the emphasis of the gospel and the, the Apostles' Creed is a, a concise um, uh, summary of the gospel. The emphasis of the gospel is not so much on the kind of life that he led, but the emphasis on the go- of the gospel is on the death that he died. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23, and he said, but we preach Christ crucified. 
He didn't walk around, well, we preach Christ did this and Christ did that. We preach Christ crucified because that was the pinnacle. That was what was important to know, that Jesus Christ came with a mission to, to give himself up, to give his life for us and for Paul's listeners in those days. And when we preach the gospel or when we summarize the gospel, we speak of his birth because that's really important. He came into the world. He really did. And the Apostles' Creed talks about that. And we talk about his death, that it was real. Because his death is what achieved and what was key. The Apostles' Creed talks about he came, he was born and he died. So these lines in the creed, they're really full of meaning and they're really important and they're worth having a little bit of a look at. You know, the first part, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. Have you noticed that the only other person mentioned in the whole Apostles' Creed, apart from the Trinity, is some Roman person mentioned in the whole creed? And this is really important because Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate under a human ruler. And there are historical records that we can go to that show that Pontius Pilate was the governor, a Roman governor in that province from AD 26 to 37. So now we understand that Jesus, uh, that, that it's, it's actually rooted in history, was, was subject to a human system as fully human. Jesus had a genuine and full human experience at the hands of a human system. And remember we talked about uh, the fact that Jesus being fully human is really important for us. How can someone understand our suffering if they haven't experienced it under a system that we may uh, through? He suffered physically, and there are historical recounts of Jesus' suffering. Josephus wrote, things, there are historical recounts of the suffering of a man called Jesus under Pontius Pilate. So we know that that's, that's historically accurate. And it's really important for us to know that. The, the writers of the Apostles' Creed felt like, this guy has to be in there. We need to help people understand. We need to understand ourselves that it's a historical fact. He suffered injustice. Under a human system. His dignity was stripped away. In so many ways, we could go into detail in some Good Friday sermons. You'll have some up here talking about the thorns and the blood. And, and we know all that sort of stuff. His dignity was stripped away. He was maligned and he was rejected by his very own people. They would march someone to a crucifixion and, and he would walk through a street, if you like, and the streets weren't nice and wide like our streets. The streets were little dirt streets and he would be carrying, he had to carry his cross through a community that, that would see him as despised, that would spit on him, that would throw rocks at him and, and tomatoes and whatever they could find. And they would, it was, he was totally maligned by his own, shamed. So he was fully human. And it had a fully human experience. But he was also fully God. He had an intimate relationship with his father. And so he suffered in that as well. He suffered separation. You know, we, we have that song, the father turned away. You know, that, that image of, 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 you know, why have you forsaken me? The father has turned away. And there's strong symbolism in there because that was a sim, you know, that was, you know, this, this intimate relationship is broken. The father turned away. Jesus suffered spiritually, physically, but also physically and emotionally. But the emphasis of the Bible is on Jesus' spiritual suffering. You know, Galatians 3 verse 13 and, 
And, and Deuteronomy, there's a couple of verses I'll, I'll pop up for you. Galatians 3 verse 13 talks about a curse, doesn't it? And it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is Deuteronomy, the scripture just below. If a man had committed a crime punishable by death and he's put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you'll bury him on the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You know, Jesus suffered a curse. In the Old Testament, it was considered that if you were hung on a tree to die, it was because eyes of man, he was now under a curse. But Jesus really did suffer the curse of sin so that we could have the blessing of redemption. He did suffer under a curse. You see, sin needed to be punished and a price needed to be exacted. And Jesus took the punishment. He stood in for me. He stood in for you. He stood in for us. The Bible uses the word propitiation and that has a whole lot of different... Um, it's a big word that has a whole lot of different meanings, but many of them he's, he, he paid our dues. He paid what was owing. He, he did it for us. He took our punishment in our place. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, He was pierced for our... Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. It's all about how he took the curse on behalf of us. And Paul said it clearly in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. For our sake, you and I, for our sake he made him to be sin. Who knew no sin, uh, that's old language for who didn't sin himself... So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So when the Father, and we talk about that on Sunday, when the Father sees us, he sees righteousness. That's what Jesus did. So he suffered under Pontius Pilate. There's an important line. Was crucified. We talk about he was suffered under Pilate. Pontius Pilate was crucified. You know, there's lots of stories about crucifixion and you've probably read them and seen them if you've been around church for a long time. Crucifixion was not allowed for Roman citizens. It was only for the worst people. It was only for, it was a shameful punishment. It was horrible. It was degrading. As I just said before, it was it's a public way to be punished. And it was reserved for people of low caste, low status, slaves, or ethnic minorities. If you were a Roman citizen, you weren't allowed to be. Uh, you could be punished if you did something wrong, for certain, but you weren't allowed to be crucified. History tells us also that a crucifixion could only be carried out by Roman legal assent. So even if it was an ethnic minority, even if it was somebody, the only way crucifixion was allowed was a Roman authority had to give legal assent to that. And it's really interesting that we see the story where Pilate washes his hands of and I read a little bit into that. That was a symbol. That's what they did when they said, do what you want with him. It's okay. You know, it's, you have the legal assent of the Roman authorities too. So Pilate washes his hands of him. Go ahead. Do what you need to do. See, crucifixion was not just a tragic death for anybody, but definitely not for Jesus. It was a punishment. It was a, in human sense, it was a ghastly one reserved for non-Romans. But for Jesus, it was a punishment too. We, we know that for our sin, there, there needed to be, there should be punishment, and there was. 
That's why the crucifixion, crucified, it's, it's really important. It's not just a detail. It was one of the ways they killed Jesus. They could have done it another way. No, crucifixion has really deep meaning. There needed to be punishment for sin. And it's interesting if you read, you know, you know the story of how darkness falls. If you read in Amos, Amos chapter 8, I think, where it talks about in the noontime how darkness covered all the earth. And we know that that happened when Jesus died, how darkness fell. Darkness was a symbol of sin. And punishment had to fall somewhere, and it did. So the symbolism of the cross, the mode of Jesus' death, known, known as more than just a tragic death, but as a punishment, is really deep and really important for us to appreciate. So he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified. And then we say he died and was buried. He physically passed away. Again, he, fully, he experienced the full cycle of human life. Birth, entering life through the birth canal of a woman, and then exiting life by human death. Breath left him like a human. Blood stopped flowing. His heart stopped pumping like a human. Motion stopped. Nerves, everything stopped like a human. Our fully human saviour ended his humanity. He was treated like any other dead person and buried. In Jesus' case, he was entombed. We know the story, uh, different ways of burial then and, and the way that they treated bodies with spices. He was entombed. But again, there are human historical witnesses. To the, the Apostles' Creed tells us he was born uh, through, the, through a virgin, through the normal birth canal that all of us came into the world. But it's important to know that he died a physical death and was buried. And then we say he descended to the dead. And some of you may remember many years ago, and, and maybe not even many years ago, it, you know, we used to recite the Apostles' Creed, and, and, and we said he descended to lots of discussion around that, you know, the old words, hell, and, um, you know, did Jesus really go to hell? And, and if he did, what did he do there? And, 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 you know, was he a warrior down there? And he, you know, beat up. And there are some interesting, there is some interesting stories about that, you know, some interesting theories. But the word hell in Hebrew, in the Hebrew, it's, I think I put it up there, it's Sheol, translate to mean land of the dead or a place where the dead are. Sheol is the place of the souls of the dead. Now, the understanding was that Sheol and Hades was not just a place for bad people, that that's just where the dead were, both the righteous uh, Genesis 37 talks about Jacob there uh, and Samuel and Sam the dead went. And so you get all these discussions. Did Jesus go to hell? What was the place of the dead? Uh, did he fight the powers of hell? Did he rescue those that were here? Did he fix those that were, were evil there? Or did he stay on the good? You know, there's some really interesting stories. He just stayed on the good side when he was in hell. He didn't you know, interact with the bad side. Lots of theories. The Heidelberg Catechism asserts that hell shouldn't necessarily be understood literally. In fact, it will go on to talk about that Jesus' anguish and, and, and even the cross, all of that together can be constituted as hell, as a place that Jesus went to. Charles Hill, who writes in a, a bit of writes articles for Reform Faith and Practice, says this. I think I'll pop that up there. The phrase, he descended into hell, Hades, by itself means nothing more than this, that Christ went to the realm of the dead. That is, a spiritual realm. It's correlative 
to he was crucified, dead and buried. Thus his descent into Hades has to do simply with his identification with the race of Adam. Simply that he identified as a human and died. He truly experienced the reality of human death, the unnatural separation of body and soul and his soul's presence in the realm of the dead. But what is clear to us and why it's importantly included in the Apostles' Creed is so that we understand that Jesus doesn't simply know what it's like to die. We know that and it's painful to know that. But he knows what it's like to be dead. The whole experience. The reality in the process of Jesus' death is recorded in detail like this because detail is important. Jesus really lived, experiencing all that we do. But he was also divine. He was God incarnate. And though he really died as a human, and though he really suffered humanly, he also suffered divinely. And, and I'm not sure that we can even capture that in a service or a Good Friday service or even capture the feelings of that ever. We can try to create pictures of, you know, or, or all these sorts of things, but we, we don't understand He suffered divinely as a divine connection with his father was broken. He suffered a divine separation. He was forsaken by his father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did he let his father forsake him? The right answer would be for the glory of God. And while that's true, it's inadequate. And I know that sounds really, really? The right answer would, why did he do it? Why did he let his father forsake him? Or for the glory of God? And it's true, but it's inadequate. Of course it's right, but the reason that it's inadequate is because he was already doing that in heaven. He didn't have to come to earth to glorify his father. It was happening in heaven. So what did Jesus get by coming to earth that he didn't have before? The answer is, this is the glorious news of the gospel on a day like today. Jesus' suffering, his death, totally fulfilled the requirements of God to deal with our sin. Of course he glorified his father. Of course his obedience to the father brought glory to the father. That was all true, but he was bringing glory to the father already in heaven. But he came and he was born and he died because that achieved us. The sin that separated us from him and in glorifying God and doing his will. And this joined us intimately with them, with Jesus and his Father right now, right now as we sit here. It's not about pie in the sky when we die. That's when it'll be fulfilled. That's when it'll, you know, we'll be with Jesus glorifying God in heaven. He got us, and he got us now, right where we sit, but also forever. So this line in the Apostles' Creed is surely an important line for us to understand and confess without doubt. And so we're going to do that now. I've got the creed up there and we're going to stand and we're going to confess the creed together again. So can we do that?
So I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, life everlasting. Amen. You can uh, take a seat. And that's why when we talk about Easter, we talk about celebrating Easter. It's almost counterintuitive on Good Friday, isn't it? But that's why we talk about celebrating Easter. When we know the truth, when we understand the confession that we just confessed, when we understand what it tells us, we must celebrate. You've got to. You've got to understand. You know, like we said before, these, these broken jars of clay that, that keep getting broken and keep doing broken things. And yet, like Romans tells us, while we were still sinners, he came and he got us. And so as we celebrate Lord's Supper, we celebrate Lord's Supper intentionally on a day like today, not just because it has, you know, Jesus died and it's, a, it's important for us to understand that we celebrate the supper together. We remember Christ's suffering for sure. But Jesus told us himself that when we eat and when we drink, we are remembering his body broken. And maybe on Good Friday we have a better picture of that than, than any other time of the year because we've talked about it. But when we... Eat and when we drink, we're remembering his body broken and we're remembering his blood poured out for us. Today is a good day to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we're going to do that now. You know, I, I say this all the time and I know I say I say this all the time too. But I'm, I'm constantly astounded by if I was one of the disciples and I'm sitting there and Jesus starts talking about death and body broken and blood being poured out, thinking, Jesus, what? You know, I know it's difficult. I know that we've been kicked out of some towns. I know that we, you know, what we're saying sort of raises eyebrows. They had no idea. You see, they only had a piece of the picture of the mission of the cross. They'd read the prophecies of Isaiah. They'd, they'd, they knew all that sort of stuff, but they hadn't made the connection. And so when he said, you know, remember and believe, remember my body was broken, my blood was poured out, it didn't have a context. And I feel so blessed because it does. We celebrate that we remember the pain that Jesus went through. But we celebrate the joy of salvation that it achieved for us. I have a context to celebrate the Lord's Supper. The disciples just wondered, how are we going to do this? They weren't even sure Jesus was going to go yet. They didn't even get that. We're not confused, but they might have been, but we're not. After praying, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When you remember me, you know, again, where are you going? Do this in remembrance of me. And a little later, he took the cup and he poured it out. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. When you drink, do this 
in remembrance of me. And he went on to talk about the importance of what he was going to do. So when you take the bread and when you take the cup, little sense what, oh joy, the mission that Jesus came for was achieved right now for me. So feel free to come forward. We'll have two places over here. I'll get the leaders to come forward. If you, um, if you need gluten-free, the left-hand side will have a few gluten-free options. Um, and then take it back to your seat and we'll celebrate together. So take, eat, remember and believe that the body of Christ was broken for the forgiveness of all our sin. And as you take the cup, take it and remember. And as you drink, believe that Jesus' blood was poured out for the complete forgiveness of our sin. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you call us as a family to gather on a day like today. That we remember, Jesus, we remember what you did for us. And as we reflect and as we have those pictures in our mind, we remember with, with pain sometimes. But, oh joy, God, how great it is to be able to celebrate and to know that your work on the cross, your suffering, achieved something great for us, the gift of life, now and forever. And, Lord, as we celebrate together as a family, even as we celebrate Lord's Supper, we're reminded that your body was broken and your blood was shed, but it was for something. It was for the complete forgiveness of our sin. Well, thank you for that reminder. Thank you that it's true whether we feel it or not. It's true whether we give it or not. The truth of Easter is that you came, you died, and you did something greater than any other story in history. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.